seated. Thank you, Crystal and Hannah and Dave, Lane, Bobby, Sean, Brandon, Shida. Um, what a beautiful morning we've had already. So this week, we're on our second week in the book of James, uh, this incredible book with this story of a seeker who found God, who found identity in Christ. And I've been so excited about this, as I expressed it to you last week. I've been excited about this journey this summer together to read this book, because this is one of my favorite books um, in our story that we have. It's this book about um, from James about living this life of justice, about where faith meets action and rubber meets the road. And in the midst of all of that, this story where mercy triumphs. Um, and last week we talked about James's journey from skeptic to someone who trusted his faith in Christ and invited us to seek and to ask questions on our journey as well. And so I've been excited about this journey. And then I open up the text this week to see where we are, what comes right after the introduction. And this is what I found when I got there. Um, James, servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, the 12 tribes in the dispersion. All right, good so far. Greetings, my brothers and sisters. Whenever you face trials of any kind, consider it nothing but joy. And I thought, oh... That's less exciting than I was expecting it to be. We're talking about trials this week, and we're talking about those things in our life that are really difficult. And I thought this is going to be less fun, but honestly, this is kind of important, isn't it? This is really where the rubber meets the road. This is that all-important, yeah, but, whenever we're having this talk about faith and about this God who's with us, that's where our mind goes, because there are real trials in life. There's job situation, there's finances, there's health, there's dreams that are deferred, there's just the general state of our world right now, there's relationships. Um, if you're a parent, there's worry about your kids. If you're a kid, there's worry about your parents. You know, should they be on Facebook unsupervised? Um, <laughs> we worry about these things together. There are real challenges and obstacles and suffering and setbacks and stuff we face in this life, and they are real, and some are significant. And I know many of you um, have faced or are facing tremendous trial, and so I would not presume to tell you what to do with that, what to do with your struggle. But we're here to talk about this today, because God, the God who loves us, who's well acquainted with our suffering, with our stuff, if in the midst of that, God says, rejoice in the Lord always, and invites us to find joy, to choose joy, even in the midst of trial, then maybe, maybe, just maybe, that loving God might have left us some guidance on how to find joy in the journey. Joy. Consider it joy. It invites us Joy, not just happiness, not just those fleeting feelings, but that deep abiding contentment, a gratitude that's greater than our circumstances, a delight that's deeper than our despair, steady amidst stumbling, an unshakable grounding even when the ground beneath our feet is shaking. Joy. Uh, Reverend Veronica Gaines says that peace is joy at rest. And joy is peace on its feet. 
this peace that passes all understanding that's the ground underneath us that invites us up to our feet with joy, no matter what, no matter how the rangers do this afternoon, joy. So yesterday I was, I was going back and studying this. I was reading back through a letter from a Birmingham jail uh, from the great Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, and I go back to that letter often whenever I need courage um, for anything in my life, but it's, it challenges me because his steadfast joy and his steadfast hope, uh, even amidst impossible obstacles, brought liberation in our world. And he said this, he said, we can accept finite disappointment, but never lose our infinite hope. We can accept finite disappointment, but must, must never lose our infinite hope. And because he did not, even in the face of trials, lose his hope in something bigger than all of us, the right and the good, the love that we seek. So many are better for it because he found joy and purpose and hope in trials. His life was powerful, and we're invited to that same thing. And so how do we find infinite hope and joy and purpose even in the midst of those things? Well, we can take heart because our God who loves us did offer us some guidance. But more than guidance, more than advice or 12 steps to joy, God gives us grace. The strength beyond ourselves in the midst of trials to find even joy. Even joy. And if you're seeking that today, I hope that you find some. May we all find some of that today. So let's hear James out. (laughs) Let's put our skepticism aside for just a second, or just invite it into the conversation, truthfully. Let's hear James out. Let's listen to this whole section. James, a servant of God, of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes and the dispersion, greetings. My brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of any kind, consider it nothing but joy. And it goes on. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its full effect, so that you may be mature and complete, lacking in nothing. And if any of you is lacking in wisdom, ask God, who gives to all generously and ungrudgingly, and it will be given to you. Now, I don't know about you, but that section in Scripture has always been really difficult for me to wrap my head around. Right? Whenever you face trials, consider it joy is the invitation. Consider it joy. Uh, There's lots of things that we might consider uh, trials in our life, and some of which we can say in polite company in church, and other things we can only say under our breath. The only people who consider trials joy are either off their rocker or they're marathon runners, right? Which may or may not be the exact same thing. (laughs) Um, or, Or they're people who know something, who know about that greater thing, who know that even in trials, there can be good things at work and growth at hand and grace to sustain. That even though God didn't bring about the trial, that God even still is right there in the middle, is present and is at work, bringing purpose and peace and joy, even amidst the pain. And where God is at work, there's life, there's peace, and there is even joy. See, James, when he's writing this, isn't just writing some pithy Pinterest poster statement about joy. He's writing to people who desperately needed to hear it. 
And the clue is right there in the context of the very first verse in this section. When he says, James, a servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes in the dispersion. The dispersion or the diaspora was a time of deep persecution in the world. And, and Christ followers and Jews who lived in Jerusalem were forced to flee, to disperse, because they were caught up in the midst of a war that was bigger than them and ran from the Roman Empire across the Mediterranean as refugees from their homes, fleeing on boats with their families, looking for a place of peace. And they were vulnerable, and they were suffering, and they were facing great trials. And so James isn't just throwing out some Pollyanna optimism into our world. He's talking to people who desperately needed to know how to find meaning and purpose in the midst of what they were experiencing. And so it's in this context that James begins to unpack for us this sustaining truth, inviting people to consider hope, to consider infinite hope and deep happiness and deep joy that can be found even in the midst of a difficult trial. So maybe, maybe we should listen in. Uh, we're going to go kind of piece by piece to this verse and listen into this story. And I, myself, am going to try to listen as well. So let's go back to verse 2 uh, in this story. It says, Consider it nothing but joy. Consider it an occasion for joy, James says, whenever you face trials. Consider. Choose. Decide. Uh, I know that sounds crazy, but joy, in many ways, is an intentional choice. It's a considered decision, a really brave one, about how you are going to respond to life, to circumstances. James doesn't say feel joyful, uh, because this is about more than feelings. In fact, feelings of longing and struggle can coexist in the midst of joy, because joy is something that runs deeper. In some ways, joy is a byproduct of seeking something greater than mere feelings from this life. And he doesn't say, and this is important, that trials are good. Consider your trials good. No. <laughs> trials are hard. And sometimes they're dumb. And some of the things that we encounter on our journey bring us to our knees. But even then, lasting joy lasting good can come in the midst of them and even from them. Because it's often there when we're on our knees that we find out that our God is with us, that God is not absent or angry or apathetic, but God is available to us. That trials are not good, but the God who is with us in all trials is good, as we proclaimed tonight. Because choosing joy has nothing to do with the circumstances of our life and everything to do with the focus of our lives amidst our circumstances. Joy is a considered decision, a really brave one about how we are going to respond to the challenges and the trials of life. So when you make a mistake, rather than anxiety and desperation, see it as an opportunity to grow and to respond like Christ in humility and graciousness. When the budget doesn't come together, it's a challenge to re-examine our priorities and our needs. When we face a serious hardship, it's a courageous opportunity to experience a God who is with us in everything, and especially in our time of struggle. 
Lindsay and I celebrated our 12-year anniversary last week, or we kind of celebrated it. We're, we're going to get to the celebrating part. We observed it, I'll say. <laughs> <laughs> but we have grown so much in our partnership uh, through the challenge of parenting together, through the stresses and insanity of that and the struggle and having to have these conversations about who we are and who we want to be and how, how in the world to peel a three-year-old off of the ceiling in love. Um, <laughs> We've grown through that, and now we know a lot of new ways to get stains off of upholstery. Um, I feel like we've grown in that. But, but seriously, in the midst of those hard things have been the deepest growth for us because it's forced us to wrestle with who we are. And in the midst of trial, this deliberate shift of perspective is powerful. When we choose, when we seek, when we reach out for the possibility of joy, and goodness, even in the midst of obstacles, as James invites us to. And so how can we even consider joy when we face trials? One of the things that's important is to remember that the trials you face do not define you. As much as we try not to, trials can affect our sense of self. Uh, We personalize so that we begin to feel flawed or unworthy or broken because of what we're experiencing in our world. But the truth is, we all struggle. (laughs) We all face these things. Trials and obstacles are universal. And so that's why in that verse 2, he says, whenever you face trials, not if you face trials, (laughs) but when you come across them. Trials are universal. But the other universal is that God is at work in your life and has purpose for you, specifically you. You are a beloved child of God, no matter what. And nothing can separate you from that fact, that God loves you. That defines you, not trials. But how we respond to trials, how we respond to those circumstances in our life, the way we let them color our life, those can determine who we become. Will we seek wisdom? Will we let God work in us? So the English translation of this passage, believe it or not, is pretty tame along the way. Uh, The literal translation is something closer to um, consider it joy whenever you fall among multicolored or variegated trials is actually what the literal Greek says. And you can see there's like a little word play going on in the Greek. It's parasmois, peripasete, poikilois, which just rolls right off the tongue. Right? <laughs> but you see the alliteration, like jumping off the page, parasmois, peripasete, poikilois. He's writing this with energy because trials are serious and alive and vital difficult. And so a better translation of this in English might be something like, you know, consider it joy whenever you fall among a multicolored menagerie of moan-inducing menace. <laughs> you know, just, that's, that's kind of what James was going for here. And I love that color, and I love that life, because in some ways, trials make us who we are. We've, we've all met people who face that menagerie of adversity in their life. And you hear their story, And you're amazed because they're beautiful and they're colorful. And that beauty, that color that you see, those are those multicolored places where God has been at work, even amidst the obstacle. 
So my son point, painted this picture for us around Christmas time. Um, he also painted himself and the kitchen and all the upholstery in those very same colors. Um, but when I was reading this particular verse, um, I was thinking about our lives. I was thinking about the beauty that is in our hard-won joy, uh, where every trial that you walk through with God colors your life. It marks your life. And through those things, what we learn and how we grow in that give us the colors and the shape of who we are, the character, the grace, the wisdom, the humor. We can get bitter because of trials, or we can get better. True joy is not some neophyte naivety. It is an epic story, a multicolored menagerie of spaghetti spills and grass stains and black and blue and hearts wide open. But the trials don't define who you are, but the way you respond, the way you let them color your life can determine who you become. And even through those hardships, God can make beautiful things. Because trials can't define you, but trials can refine you. So here's what James says in verses 3 and 4. My brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of any kind, consider it joy, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its full effect, so that you may be mature and complete, lacking in nothing. So uh, that's what it says God works in us when we choose joy in the face of obstacles. Uh, That completeness, that contentment, that maturity that unshakable joy that grows in us. But this particular verse is one that, uh, gosh, it was really, really hard for me. I'll just say that. Because it has this very difficult phrase in it, the testing of your faith. Because to me, when I read that, it seems like some capricious God that sets up these faith tests for you to go through, like some faith boot camp obstacle course where you have to climb over adversity walls and duck under, you know, faith test barbed wires, things to go through. That's what trials that test you seems like. That's not what the testing of faith means in the original language, and I think this is helpful for us. That word testing comes from the discipline of metallurgy, uh, from the refining process. So a silversmith would take a a block of silver and he would heat it. And at its high heat, the dross, the corrosion, and the impurities would rise to the surface. And the silversmith would gently clear the dross from the surface, refining and purifying, beautifying, allowing the silver through that testing to be more what it is truly built to be. And it's the same for us. And simply put, God is not the author of our trial and suffering. There is enough of that in this free world. But in the midst of trial here on earth, God is the silversmith of our refinement. And in the crucible of trials, there is an opportunity for refinement that happens nowhere else. When things begin to bubble up from below that we would love to keep buried otherwise when those things can be scraped away in our perspective, in our purpose, in our priorities, in our character, 
can be refined through that journey. There is no other place that God does such incredible work of making us who we were built to be. And even in our grief, even in amidst loss, those things that are deep in us can be strengthened and made complete. We can grow in our deep appreciation of the value of love and relationship, profound gratitude for life itself, and especially for those who've been in our lives and the way that God has been with us through it all. Gratitude that comes through this creates in us a deep, unshakable joy for life. And so when silversmiths would clear off the dross, they knew that the silver was properly refined when they could look down into the smelting pot and what it reflected back to them was their own image, like a pure mirror. And it's the same way with God. Through our refinement, what remains in us is that Christ-like image and character, grace and strength and endurance and faith and humility and abiding joy, like pure silver that begins to reflect back to the world the image of the God who is with us and at work in us. So trials can define, can't define you, but they can refine you. But they can also remind you of this incredible truth that God is with us always, no matter what. Because we experience God's presence and peace in a new and profound way in the midst of trials, we're reminded of this incredible fact that in trials we remember that God is not through with us, but that God is with us through it all. So James wraps up the section by inviting us to remember the foundation of where our joy comes from and turning us in that direction. He says, if any of you is lacking wisdom, ask God who gives to all generously and ungrudgingly, and it will be given to you. I love that, because even after that beautiful theological picture of the refining process, James assumes that in the midst of trials, we don't all have it figured out, right? That we're not super joyous about the trials that we're facing, that we lack some wisdom, might be an understatement, right? That God's response to us is amazing. God invites us to seek, to ask, to keep seeking. And when we do, when we keep reaching out for the God, for the infinite hope that is beyond us, for this growth that happens even in the midst of difficulties, when we keep seeking that, it says that God gives to all generously and ungrudgingly. That means without judgment. Sometimes we need to receive God's grace and God's mercy in the same way, generously with ourself and without judgment for ourselves, to cut ourselves some slack in the midst of trial. It's okay if we're not ready to go singing in the rain in the midst of difficulty, right? God is just as generous and ungrudging and without judgment toward us when we can't get a word out of our mouth in the midst of difficulty, much less a song and a dance. But keep seeking, keep asking, God invites us. Keep striving to choose joy. Because there is something about trials that open us up to hear and to seek and to experience 
God's infinite wisdom and hope anew. And that's really what we need in the midst of difficulty, is wisdom. To know how to go, how to be, and how not just to bounce back, but to bounce forward on our journey. Often on trials, we pray for a way out in the midst of them, and that is okay. (laughs) You can keep doing that. But even when we find a way out, what we really need is something greater. We need a way forward. We need a way forward to keep moving, keep growing, and keep going. Sometimes the path to joy doesn't lead away from the trials, but it leads through it. And God gives us serenity and joy and wisdom, not in spite of struggle, but often because of it. And as we follow the way forward, God reminds us that we are loved every step of the way. On every day that it takes, you are loved. Keep seeking, keep asking, God says. Keep growing, keep going, keep being refined. God is not through with you, but God is with you through it all. So I was talking recently with a friend who is going through um, a really tough time, um, uh, battling cancer, um, which is just stupid. I'll say that, and it's mean sometimes. Um, And she said to me, Jonathan, it's tough, (laughs) which is probably an understatement. And she said, you know, when someone asked me, how are you doing? I said, I have no idea how to answer that question. <laughs> they really don't want to hear me be honest, is what she said. But she said, then someone asks me, how are you doing today? And she says, that I can answer. I don't always answer it positively, <laughs> but sometimes I do. She says, but when they ask me about every day, I know this is a friend who wants to be with me on this journey. And she said, so every day I'm working to choose life. And then she said this. She said, joy is my daily discipline. <laughs> her discipline, her considered choice. She said, I just try to get a little stronger every day. When she said that, it, it kind of took me back because her body is not getting stronger. And so I asked what she meant by, you know, getting stronger. What are you looking for? And she said, I work at strengthening my gratitude, my generosity, the depth of my relationships, my wonder at life and its beauty, my love, my purpose, my life. I strengthen those things. She's seeking not just to endure or survive, but to thrive. And on her journey to let herself be refined, to be even more who she was built to be, not by her own strength, she would say, but by that infinite hope, that infinite love that is with her every step of the way. Not that she would trade this trial in a million years, but that she is grateful for life and the God who is at work in her, even in the midst of it. In those moments of her strongest love, (laughs) what I see reflected back is pure. In the silver of her life, I see 
the reflected image of the Christ who is with her and with all of us, especially in our struggle. The God of strong and beautiful, multicolored love and life, a life that's refined and reflects the image of the God who is with us, our infinite hope. And she is strong and she's multicolored and beautiful and God is not through with her. God is with her through it all. So many of us in this room, I know some of your stories, we can witness and attest to that same hope, that same truth, that same power of joy along our journeys that James wrote about, and that James and those who were persecuted and driven out in the diaspora can attest as well. That even when we find ourselves in the middle of trials that we would never choose, that God is with us even still at work in us in a way that transforms our faith and our life. And we can say with confidence, we can witness to the fact of what we've seen and what we've heard, what we've learned and what we've experienced, that no matter your trial, your struggle, God is not through with you, but God is with you on your journey through every trial and beyond defining you by love as a beloved child of God refining you by grace as one built to be beautiful and reminding you that God is with you every step of the way and rooting you and founding you and establishing you in unshakable joy so let's hear again James 3 through 5. He says, My brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of any kind, consider it nothing but joy. Choose joy. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its full effect, so that you may be mature and complete, lacking in nothing. And if any of us is lacking in wisdom, ask God, who gives to all generously and ungrudgingly, and it will be given. May our God, who is with us all, give us wisdom and grace and joy and bless the application of this truth in our lives. Amen.